0: Good morning how 's everybody doing this morning?' So good to see you this morning.' So good to have uh, Pastor Josh and Lindsay back in the house. Come on. Lindsay, you look like a little drop of sunshine been, They've been in California, and I asked, I asked uh, Josiah I said, what was your favorite part i don't know if you don't know if you're a guest they actually uh, they, they went to California through make a wish and, uh, and uh, I asked Josiah, their oldest son, I said, well, what was your favorite part? And I go, he goes, the cars, Pastor Bubba, the cars. And I said, I, sh- I, know, I know you. I mean, he spent the night in my house. He's watched cars a few times. But we're just so glad to have him back. And if you're a visitor with us, we just, we just want to let you know only good-looking people come to our Savior's church. And uh, we're just so glad that you're here with us. And I just want to welcome you back. If you, didn't, if you weren't here last week, we started a new series called Fresh Air. And, uh, we, and this morning, you know, I want to talk to you about four principles that will give you fresh air. We're going to talk about that in the next four weeks, just four principles. Last week, we talked about the principle of just coming to that place of just getting to know and it, just, it. Just talk about what it's like opening your heart and falling in love with Jesus. And, you know, so many times we look at the, the, the do's and the don'ts and people or where we were grown up or what we learned and stuff, but we really talked about it turning from do's to don'ts to be something that you delight in the Lord. It's not something you have to do. It's something you want to do. It's something, you know, someone, well, we got to go do this. And you go, man, I want to do this. It's a different kind of motivation. There was a lot of guys yesterday, I promise you, they were motivated. You can't get them up the rest of the year, but yesterday morning because of opening day of till season, Men were motivated to get up. There was just a joy, an exuberance. There was a delight to get up there and go smack some teal. Y'all pray for me. My spot didn't do good. I killed more mosquitoes than I did teal. But uh, we had a great time, great opportunity. I could have killed some. That's not the problem. I was talking to my nephew about his wife and just what he, how he was enjoying his, his, his marriage and everything. And two just like, came and just said, hey, guys, and took off. So... My wife, my, my daughter was probably praying, God, let the ducks have mercy today. But uh, this morning, we're just going to go back to our theme verse that we talked about last week, and it's in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 9. If you didn't get uh, any notes or anything like that this morning as you walk north, you just raise your hand. We want to make sure you get the paper filled with notes. Come on. Our greeters and ushers are doing a great job. Give it up for our greeters this morning and our ushers. This is what the Bible says. It says, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And look what it says. Now choose life. You know, life, and he's said, like we have to make a choice. What are we going to choose? Are we going to choose blessings or curses? Are we going to choose life? Or are we going to choose death? And yet really the choice is really up to us. And last week we talked about being in the doldrums. And if you weren't here, there's a word that's called intertropical conversion zone. And I got through that. I practiced for weeks to be able to say that. And that makes me sound real sophisticated. But really what it is, it's an area when, uh, uh, when people were coming to the new world from the old world from Europe. what happened is they would get close to the equator and it's called the intertropical conversion zone and what happens right there there's no wind And so these boats would literally, these ships would get caught where there was no wind, nothing to blow into their sails, and they would just die. And we talked about last week how people in their lives, in their spiritual life, they get to the place where they just get in the doldrums, where there's no fresh air, there's nothing coming in, there's nothing like pushing you along. And you can get to that place in your Christian walking, you just feel like you get stuck. Anybody ever been there? Y'all pray for me. Okay. But see, when you, and, and I think about, it, what happens is today we're going to talk about, you know, this is what I'm going to talk about today, is your attitude. Say, look at your neighbor, attitude. Look at the other one that you thought had an attitude, and you walked in, you ain't talking to them, say attitude. My dad used to be a principal, before that he was a football coach, and on his tie, he had a thing, and it said, Attitude. It was always, it was always about. He was all, my dad had the most positive attitude that I ever known anybody on the face of the earth. Didn't matter where he was going. It was always about. He had quotes. He he would say things to me. Some of the things I share with you are just things that were just passed on to me. And it's just something, you know, it's like my son, Luke, was down the other day about football practice with Nathan and I'd gone picked him up, and you have a little guy in our neighborhood that was we were picking up, and Nathan and I were there to pick up Luke, and he goes, Man, I crushed Luke yesterday, man. And, you know, Luke was having a hard time going to practice one day because he can just he's like, he goes, Dad, I'm the smallest guy on the team. He said, it don't matter if you're the smallest guy on the team. It's all about your attitude. And something came out of me, remember this, and I go, winners never quit. And he goes, Dad, I know, you've told me. Your dad used to tell you that. And quitters never win. And I said, just go out there, change your attitude. I said, look for the biggest boy out there and go up there. I'm taking you out. And if he comes back with an attitude, run. But anyway, just. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about attitude. And we're in a day where our attitudes are absolutely at the worst in our society. How many believe that? You think about the attitudes of the world and the condition of the heart of the world. People ask me, Pastor, are we in the last days? Yes, we are. I believe we're in the last moments. And, and when you begin to see the attitude of the world, and it actually, we're, I, you know, we're in that place right now. We're, we're, just at, we're in a day where attitudes are absolutely at their worst. We're, we're, one of the, the signs of the times is that you, you have messed up hearts. And messed up attitudes. I mean, if you look with me, look at, with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's there on your notes. And you can look at it on the screen, the big screen. It says this. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. If you look at that word terrible, it's the same word that is used for demoniac when Jesus cast the demon out of the man. Okay? Think about it at the tombs. We live in demonic times. How many of you believe that? And it's in and really what he says, look what he says people will be lovers these are this is really attitude things that he's fixing to he's fixing to give a list and it's all about attitude things he said there'll be people lovers of themselves lovers of money boastful proud abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy without love that means unloving and unforgiving I believe we're in the end times. And you look at that and you see that. And that's what it talks about. Having a heart like that is an indication. It's not just about earthquakes and wars. This is attitude. There'll be an attitude in the last days. Are you with me? Let's take a look at these four attitudes. I like to call them the uns. This ain't in your notes, but you can write. It's the uns, the condition we are in. But how we can, we, I believe this, you can have the uns in your life, but I believe there's a condition you can have, an attitude where you don't allow the uns to get in your life, but you allow the fresh wind of the power of the Holy Spirit touch your life. And even though you walk through difficult moments, even though you walk through testing, listen, testing, you know what a testimony is? Just a, It's a story that you can tell that you've been through a test and how God, you got, God got you through. That's what a testimony is. How many of you have had a test this week? Now, y'all pray for all the rest of us that haven't been tested. But he says this. You know, I believe this. Let's take a look at the four uns. Here here they are. These are conditions of the heart. The first one, number one, is ungrateful. We get so focused on what we want or the greed. we We begin to get a greedy heart that we forget. What we have. Let, 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 where's my phone? Give me my phone, Tracy. See this? This is a 4S. Okay? All right, whatever. It don't matter. This is a 4S. This is an example. I was, okay? Listen, they just came out with the 5S. You know what this means? This is ancient. It's no good. I mean, it's just, it's, It's gone beyond its time. Hey, do you remember when you used to have Walkmans? And you put the little, what is it, the little disc in it and you try to run? And when you run it, it skips. Open it up, put it back in. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Or you try to walk? That's old news. And all the rest of the kids that are like younger are going, what is that? What are you talking about? Listen, I remember 8-tracks, baby. I had a collection of 8-tracks. My dad had reel-to-reel. You know, some of you go, well, I remember 33s and a half. I remember 78s. Well, let's not go there, all right? <laughs> See, there's a book that's called The Process Paradox. And this is the premise of the book. Said that the, the, the better off we are getting, the more miserable we are. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? Is it, I, I, think, I think it's true. You know, it's like they, they call it choice anxiety. When I was a kid, I'm just going to go back. Okay, all you teenagers, bear with me. When I was a kid, we didn't have as many choices as you have to do. You can drive in the Jennings. You can go to Taco Bell. Whatever, but but you, there's, all, there's a prolifera of restaurants. When I was a kid growing up, I grew up up until I was about 10 years old in Lake Charles. And after that, I lived in Lafayette. And I remember, I remember when there was A&W Root Beer on Ryan Street. Come on, y'all remember that? Y'all stopped going because they went out of business. Well, it's what happened? Anyway, and and, and it's like I remember going there, and my daddy would like like dad, what do you want? I want the teen burger. They had the teen burger, they had the mama burger, and they had the papa burger. You remember that? And, I mean, we would go there. It wasn't like all the time we would go. It would be like once every two or three weeks or once a month. It was a treat. There wasn't any anxiety. Now I'm getting a car, and I, my wife goes, hey, baby, where you want to go? My wife goes, ah, oh, baby, you're the man. You make the decision. I get anxiety. Cho- I get anxiety. Choice things. You know what I'm saying? My kids are, oh, I got to McDonald's. Oh, I hate McDonald's. I got a Burger King, Flame Brawl, you know. Oh, they got chicken over there. I'm watching my waistline, and You know, what the heck? Come on, do y'all have that choice anxiety sometime? I mean, my pawpaw, my pawpaw McCann, he was a shrimper, he was a mechanic, he was a welder. I mean, he, he, he had a second grade education, but he was happy. Before Phil Robinson had happy, 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 he was happy, happy, happy. With a fan, come on. With the, with the heaters that were gas, you had to go in there and, you know, light them, you know, all that stuff. And they, we didn't, have, they didn't have air conditioning. I mean, I mean, and I'd always look at them and go, well, What what's you know? And, and I remember he'd got saying, But hey, we're better off than most. We're just better off than most. It was the attitude. I've been to Haiti, I've been to Africa, I've been in the in, in Central America, I've been to other places. And like, can I tell you something? I've been in the poorest places in the world, and there are people that are happy. They're just happy. They got, I mean, I took take you to South Africa, and there's many people that have been there with me on mission trips from here. I mean, and they just live in ten huts with rocks on the, the roof, where in case the wind goes, the rocks hold the roof down. Come on. And then you can go to whole townships, in the most, and there's no adults there because they're all having the work, trying to make a living. And there's kids that are, that are five, six years old, or babysitting all the little ones. But they're happy. I like when I walked in here, Miss Joyce. Go, Man, I like that red dress. She goes, Pastor. People that red, wear red are happy all the time. <laughs> is that right, Miss Joyce? And so I go, well, she's happy. It's not what you have that makes you happy. Come on. And see, he said there's there's gonna be this attitude. You know, that we and the second attitude is is this just unholy. Can I just tell you something? We're make, sometimes we make choices that just pollute our hearts. See, maybe, maybe this week you, you made choices that are destroying you, carrying, carrying around shame and, and nothing worse than just carrying that shame and guilt. But see, I'm here today to tell you this, is that it's, 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 it's an attitude that destroys you, and only Jesus can heal that attitude. Because there's no there's no reason for you to leave this morning, this service and walking out with the same attitude, thinking you can't make it or living in the same way. Jesus is a God of all mercy and God wants you to God. Listen, you don't have to leave here. you can leave here and someone can pray for you and you can leave that at the feet of Jesus this morning because he is a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. And I love the meaning of grace. It's God's riches at Christ's expense that he came and demonstrated his love towards us when we were just living our own way, doing our own thing, going going way, way the rest of the crowd was. We were floating downstream with all the dead fish, and all of a sudden, Jesus brought life on us. And I'm swimming against the currents of this world, and I'm going to swim upstream, and he's going to help me. Thanks for that half clap, but anyway. There's no reason. The third thing, let me just get in this, is that we live in a generation that's just unloving. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Real love is not feelings. Feelings. You give me feelings. Remember that song? (laughs) Pastor Bubba's top ten. Anyway, don't buy it. It hadn't been a block out. It hadn't been a sellout. It's not about feelings. It's unconditional. See, let let me say, real love is not feelings. It's unconditional, and it's unselfish agape love. What does that mean? It's intentionally choosing. Listen to me. and teaching, caring or or helpful for someone else, despite the consequences or the things that they're going toward or what you do. It's seeing someone else's need greater than your own. You know, they had a, a story a couple of months ago where there was a New York p- a policeman that he found this guy that was a homeless man. He was Italian, the homeless man was a, an African American man, and he was just, he was, his, he didn't have any shoes, he was a dead winter. And he began to talk to him and he goes, Hey, and he goes, I don't have any shoes. And he saw his feet and he just said, and he did something. He said, You know what? He didn't th- think about himself. He started thinking about that man. And he went and bought the best boots you could buy. And he put them on, that man, and gave them to him. He even got his size, everything right. It made the national news. Because one guy's kind act. You know why? It made bit such a big deal because we live in such an unloving world. And when someone goes and just does something, are you hearing me? You know, we live in an unloving age. Everyone is thinking about what is best for me. It's a complete disrespect for people or for life. And people go, what about, you know, when I think about the unborn, there's just such a disrespect that we don't even care. I love, I love Mother Teresa. You know, I mean, she stood up when Bill Clinton was president, and she says, how can we enjoy these times when there's people that we're putting, young babies that we're putting to death? Here's this little Indian woman. Stands before the president, all the powers, and they're clapping for her. And she speaks of life. You see, I believe this. We live in such an unloving. God wants to heal our hearts. How many believe that? He wants to heal our hearts from maybe what's caused some of those things in our lives. We've ne- God never intended us, our hearts, to be in that condition that we would be unloving. He never intended that. And what God wants to do, the condition of your heart will suck the life and the air out of you. And that's where God wants to come and say, let me just breathe upon you and give you some fresh air and help you get beyond where you're at so you can learn. And like Pastor Josh prayed, that I pray that God would give us Jesus' contact lenses, that we take off our, the scales of our eyes and he put his lenses on our eyes and we begin to see people like he sees people. Because one of the models of this church, we're going to love people that no one else wants. Because when we do, God will give us the people everybody wants. But it's loving people. It's loving people for who they are. I mean, I worked in the inner cities of America for almost eight years and lived in almost every major city in America. And the people that I've lived in salvation, you've heard it, but if you're new, I'm just telling you anyway. But I just see the conditions. I was a guy from Lafayette. And I was living in New York, Atlanta, you know, Detroit. I mean, I can go on and on and on. And, and just seeing the plight of people, man, never seen that before. I never knew what a bad person was. I never knew. I never seen anybody living out of a shopping cart. I'll just be honest with you. I'd never seen that. I'd never smelt a building that was just smelt just with urine. I met the zigzag one, man one time. In Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, it was an old burnout thing. If you don't know what Zigzag Man is, I'll give you. A little, it's a rolling papers. Just smoke some of that. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. And all the others that don't. What is he talking about? Like, you don't need to know. Anyway. But the guy looked just like him, and I I went told my friends after. I go, man, I just prayed with the Zigzag Man. Anyway. The condition of your heart. And see, I believe the biggest one of all is this last one, is unforgiving. I think this one's so huge, I'm convinced that over 80% of you have some sort of unforgiveness to something that's happened in your life. See, Jesus freely forgave us, and we're, and if we're not willing to extend that to others, our problem is not that It's not people, but it's the devil. Are you hearing me? is he wants to find a way to enter into our hearts to cause something that would be a callous or a wound in our lives. So and you know what a wound is? It's like when you've been cut or hurt or something like that, and it's like, and you think you're over it, but there's someone comes along and they rub against that thing, and it just bothers you again, and it may be unforgiving. I talked to a guy this past week. I mean, he's literally living in the doldrums because he's at a place where he knows he has to go, and he told me, he said, I know I'm going to need to go to that person and talk to him and ask him to forgive me, and I know my life will be different i'm like i'm thinking well go do it why hold on to that wound why hold on to that are y'all with me why hold on to that unforgiveness see what happens is is the enemy's plan is to get something in our heart and we start looking at people and blaming people rather than this fallen world and the enemy himself you know how you take out an enemy? You know what my prayer is this morning? God, I just want to do some sneak attacks where the enemy doesn't even see us coming. And we go, boom, ah, it's us, we're back, we're taking over. <laughs> it's all about an attitude. Are you going to be a victim? Ah, he did it to me again. Ah. All there is, Listen, all of these are end-time attitudes which are the opposites of what God wants to do and which is the opposite of God's very heart. God's heart is to bring freedom. How do you believe that? Say freedom. freedom. Say fresh air. fresh air. That's what it's all about. See, the second fresh air principle is all about the decision you make about the condition of your heart. What kind of decision you make? It's more... Can I just say, it's more up to you about the condition of your heart than you realize. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? It's not up to your circumstances. How many you know circumstances come? And sometimes you can't do anything about your circumstances. How many i you talking about? How many of you have had stuff that you never saw coming, come your way? And there wasn't even a road sign to say, it's coming. Wouldn't it be great if the, if the Lord would come and he'd just go kind of like the emergency broadcasting test you remember that this is the lord the the eternal broadcasting network is going warning warning it's coming the devil his plight his come on wouldn't it be great we go where is he but we don't see it coming and what happens is we get blindsided. That means you don't see it coming or sucker punch. And sometimes we don't see it coming. But let me tell you something. If you're anchored, and I want to talk about some attitudes that we need to have to be anchored. So when it does come, what do you, how do you respond? Because I believe this. All of us deal with the uns. I mean, how are you talking about? All of us deal with the uns. It's more than you realize. Right in front of you, there's always a choice. Right here. Here's in John chapter 10, 10. It says, the thief. Comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So he's a thief. He's come to take something from you. That's what a thief means. Whatever you thought you had, he's coming to try to take it from you. He'll try to th- he'll try to rip your marriage off because he'll try to make you think that your wife's thinking something or has an attitude, something, or your husband's looking at something or doing something. Hello? Yeah. Or your your kids are like, I don't. My mom and dad, they ain't this and they ain't that. Man, that old bag of dirt, daddy, I got. Man, and you know let me, tell you something. It's all about an attitude. I'm in the right house this morning, and it just says this: I have come that they may have life. That's fresh air, fresh breath, life. And he said, "Have it to the full." And God, and if you look at that portion, it says, "I insist that you have my life." That's what that means. I great. He says, "I insist stoutly that you enjoy my life." And see, here it is: Jesus free, freely forgave us. Aren't you glad you're forgiven? If you don't feel forgiven today, remember you can't live by your feelings this morning. That's where faith has to kick in. He say, God, I trust that you know everything about me. You know everything I've done. You know what I think. You know what I go through. You know what I face. You know the weaknesses in my life. And God, I need you. And I trust you by faith that you've saved me. You've rescued me from this world, from the attitude of this world. And God, I take on what your son did for me on the cross. I take on the blood of Jesus. That when the father looks at me, he doesn't see my sin. He sees the blood. He sees son. He sees daughter. Remember, your picture's on God's refrigerator, and you going, "That's my boy, that's my girl." Come on, I got my grandsons. I go, "Hey, you know, I saw him this morning." Eli, go, Eli, man, look, you got a shirt like Papa. You got them little things. I don't know what they are, but we got these things on our shirt. I like it. You, you picked out a cool shirt. Yeah, Papa. He goes, and he goes, "I like your shirt too." It's all about attitude. You see, right in front of you, there's a choice. There's a choice. In today's message, I just want to talk to you about four solutions are more up to you than you realize. And what I want to talk about in, you know, there's a scripture, and I'll use the scripture, Proverbs 17, uh, 17, 22. A cheerful or a merry heart is like a good medicine. See, we all have the uns going on in our lives. I've even got one of those things, those uns that try to get to me. But I ain't telling you what it is. But I deal with one of those uns. Now y'all are trying to figure, what did Pastor Bubba deal with? What's his, what's his un? I just realized this. I have to deal with it. And I have to deal with that un from time to time. But it's un- under the, are you hearing me? At least I want to fight though. You see, I believe that in, in the Bible says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not what's going on on the outside of your life. It's really what's going on in the inside of you. Amen. On the inside. Say, say this, say inside job. inside job. God is trying to do, through his son, by his Holy Spirit, an in, inside job on your heart. Because God wants to get it in here. It doesn't want to Listen, I don't want to just get you intellectually and knowing a bunch of information. Are you hearing me? Because sometimes people are about 18 inches from eternity without God because they haven't allowed to get to here to right here. See, my thing is, I'm not a real... I don't consider myself an intellectual. I'm a people person. I'm a touchy-feely, love on you. You know, I leave wet kisses. That's what my wife says. You know, all that. My kids, after I kiss them, they're always, "Mm hmm, you know. So I'm I'm just kind of, my wife's more the studious, smart, you know, like she tell you facts about things. I'm just, I mean, I, I learn by tribulation. How many of you can relate And so, the most important thing is that what God's really saying is four solutions, and here here's what they are. Let's just start. Number one, you got to make the choice every day. Instead, in fact, we should have we it it really. I almost debate uh, we should have had a blank and said every day because every day is really what you need to do. It's an everyday decision. It's an everyday choice. I'm reading some information about generals in World War II and strategies, and I'm reading another book. But I enjoy reading about battles and battlefields and their strategy and how they did things because I want to be a good strategist. I want to be a strategist for the kingdom of God. And if those are things that they did in the natural, what we can do in the spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about some of the things I've been learning, but it's like you got to make a choice every day. Chances are most of us make the choice from time to time instead of every day. You have to make an attitude choice every single day. Thanks for all those amens. Your attitude will not take care of itself. I found this quote. Life is 10% of what you think. What what happens to you and ninety percent of how you respond to it. I'll say that life is about ten percent of what happens to you and eighty percent of how you respond to it. There's nothing inside of me that wants to have a good attitude sometimes. Hello, how many times? It sometimes sometimes. I remember going to this church one time, and I wanted to know if I could help the guy barbecue. And I was new at the church, and I was a member. And I go, hey, c- you need any help in your barbecue? And he looked at me and go, I don't need no help with my barbecue. I go, Lord Jesus, we ain't giving. And I wondered, inside I was going, well, what about you, old bag of dirt? Let me just tell you. Yeah. That's what I was thinking on the inside. Can I, okay, confession is good for the soul, right? Amen. Problem with some of you, you not you're not willing to say what, what you were thinking. When, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be great to have a little thinking indicator? When you come, some, see, some of you are critical of me this morning. What? That shirt's ugly. What's he got? Them Them jeans he's got. Those look like some new. He ain't been wearing them same jeans he's been wearing for months. I, I mean, I know. It'd be great. You know, we we'll walk through here and Tony puts you in the little thing. You just walk in there, Beep. <laughs> it's too hot too cold <laughs> they're not nice no smiles <laughs> come on every time something bad happens to me I feel like I have to I, can, I deserve to be in a bad mood how many of you ever felt that way come on you can't trust your feelings there's always a choice, and you have to choose this attitude. And I love what Hebrews says, let us know. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders. It's not a one-time thing. That's not what he's talking about. And he says, throw off. That means constantly. There's constant things that come your way, and you've got to throw it off. How many of you have your kids and you don't agree? How many of you, how many of you have children that agree with you all the time? How many of you always agreed with your parents? Come on, any takers? You raise your hand, I'm going to call you. Anyway, this We all got to deal with things that we got to throw off. And it, look what it. And the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And listen, I think the best time or the best place to do that is, listen, at the beginning of every single day when you get up in the morning. Lord, this is a day that you've made. I'm going to rejoice in it, no matter what comes my way. I think about a senior citizen of a lady. She was being put in a nursing home, and they asked her, how do you, how do you like this room? She said, happiness isn't something you decide. She said, happiness is something you decide ahead of time. Whether I like my room or it doesn't in, uh, or not doesn't depend on how the furniture was arranged. It's something you decide ahead of time. It's how you arrange it in your mind. There's some wisdom right there. You know, I have to choose an attitude. Are you hearing me? When you walked in these doors, see, some of you got here, see, I, I saw a girl this week, she said, Pastor, I'm coming to church this week. I was thinking about, you know, I let circumstance get more, but you know, but today, this week, I ain't letting nothing hold me back. It's the attitude. You, you can come here this morning and say, I'm getting something from the Lord. I need something. The Lord. Or you can come in here and you got the mulligrubs or the doldrums Go. I just hope something blows my way. You have an attitude, either your, your, your cup is half empty or it's half full. You're a pessimist or what's, what's the other one? Optimist. There you go. I'm an optimist. Thanks for preaching with me this morning. I always see it half full. I've met people that got the money. I mean, you know, you have to pray first. Are you hearing me? I found a great prayer. It said, it said Dear Lord. So far, I'm doing all right. I've not gossiped, lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy, nasty, or selfish, or self-indulgent. I have not whined, cursed, or even eaten chocolate. However, I'm going to get out of my bed in a few minutes, and I'm going to need a lot of help after that. Amen. Amen. That's a great prayer for you today and for me. Here's a great prayer. Psalms 19 verse 14. He says, may the words of my mouth. Because the words of your mouth really reveal the heart attitude that you have. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my. That's how you feel about people. The meditation of your heart. Be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Here's the next to get a better attitude. Number two, develop a high appreciation for life. This is how you view things. Even in the bad days, you know God's going I'm, to... I'm, I'm, this one's easy for me. Even in the bad days, you know God's going to work it out somehow. You know? One of the greatest examples of this is, is really Jesus. Jesus. And, and, and Jesus, but it's also Paul. You remember Paul? He was always being rejected. He was always being beaten. He was always being in imprisoned. All, all, he was going through all this. And Corinthians says, he says, he says this, 2 Corinthians 16, Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. <laughs> Sorrowful, always poor, yet making many rich. And his last thing is having nothing, yet possessing everything. I'd love to hang around a guy like that. No matter what he was going through, it's an attitude. You know, it's like, you know, I had my, uh, my Papa McCann. He was very, my, he was from Abbeville, and my mom my McCann was from Lowerville, okay? And He I never saw him get mad one time in my life, never once. And sometimes the people go through and he just say, ah, get over it. You got the world by the tail. Get over it. Somebody, some of you are a Cajun. Man, child, get over that you. It's kind of like Lion King. Remember when Mephousa, whatever, Mufasa, I don't know what his name was. And they get that cane and he, and he's, he's that monkey's talking to him and he pops him in the head and he goes and he, he's like he's kind of like just thinking he's all this and he ain't all that. And he knocks him on the head and goes, You my fossils boy. You know who you are? You're my fossil's boy. And some of us, you need to get a I'm not gonna say monkey hit you. <laughs> but somebody needs to get a big stick and just pop you sometimes and change your attitude and go, you know who you are? You're a child bought with the blood of Jesus. Stand in posture. Allow your backbone to be like a crowbar. And don't let the winds of adversity blow your way and blow you out of the way. But you stand strong in him and see what God will do. Somebody ought to get excited about Jesus this morning. He's that kind of God. He's there to back you up. Remember when you get in a fight and you had a big brother or you had someone bigger than you? That's why I like to go places with Jamie. (laughs) Pastor Jamie's big. You know, I mean, I, I look like I got backup. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that you know, here's really, you need to have a different philosophy. Here's the secret: how to have this kind of attitude. Listen. Be grateful. Be grateful. Be grateful. I'm going to use him because he used him a few times, but that's what I love about Samuel. Fine, no. Every I've known him since he was a little boy. I don't know if he was still TTing in his pants back then, but you know, that's how long ago. I don't mean embarrassing, embarrass him, but that's, I've known him for a long time. Is that, Was he, yeah, he was going to bed. All right. Okay. But I remember, I remember when Danny and Sabrina were living in a house that termites had eaten. But there's one thing I've always lo- loved about Samuel. He's always had a good attitude about stuff. How you doing, Samuel? I'm doing okay, Pastor Bob. How you doing? Good. He always said, I like your preaching, Pastor Bob. I said you're my hero, Samuel. <laughs> but see, I always seem great. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. thank you. I love that when I see that in kids. Do you remember that? My mom and daddy wouldn't let me have. If I didn't say thank you or please or may I. Especially when I was around my my nini, I'd get a flick in the ear. You know what a flick in the ear? Or they pull you right here, this little piece of hair. Hey, can we get past the uns and get some fresh air in here? The third thing is find something positive in Everything. In some places, let me tell you, you just got to look for it. Some places you got to find it. I'll be honest with you. Come on. You have to look for it. When things are not going well, you have to find something positive. I had a friend named Daniel Sabalas, Pastor Jacob's best friend in in junior high. He was like 17 in the seventh grade, and finally, he just let him go. But he got saved and radically saved, and he had a real gift of music and encouragement. And he's one of the guys that really spoke in my life when I first got saved. And I remember there was this guy get up, and the guy could not sing. He had a thing. There was like a church service, a night service. And, man, I I mean, he was terrible. I mean, bad. I mean, you were like, oh, God. And you know how we do sometimes in church? It was bad. And at the end of the service... You know, everybody, you know how people talk? God, that guy that kid can't sing. I hope the pastor won't let him back up. <laughs> Daniel went to him. He said, man, let me tell you something. You played the guitar so wonderful. See, he looked beyond what everybody saw, and he saw what he could find something good to say. And sometimes the bad is so obvious. It's like a bad song that we got to look for the good. Amen. Gotta look for the good. You know, Philippians says this, finally. After you've done it, that means after you've done everything, finally. Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things or think about that thing. So you have to remain, you have to do that in your mind, especially with people. I just there's no great victories come in your life if you can't overcome adversity. You can't have victory if you can't overcome adversity. And see, there, there's something, look at me, there's something bad in all of us. And there's something incredible in all of us. There really is. It's what are you going to focus on? You know why marriages have problems? Because they find the problem in their mate and they can't see the good anymore. Thanks for all those wonderful amens. I was trying to bring revival up in a marriage. But it's true. We forget. Sometimes we got to go back. And remember, you have to make a choice. People can either irritate you or they can entertain you. I remember my dad told a story one time. There was this kid he was, when he was a coach. And he was trying to catch this kid because he knew every day he was smoking in the ballroom. So he's over there talking to him, and, and he just, and he said, ah, he's probably about lit up by now, got about three or four puffs in there. And he goes in the ballroom, and there's old, what's-his-name, and he, he goes, hey, and he surprised me. hey, and he has got the cigarette behind him. He's like holding it between his fingers. Oh, hey, coach, hey, and he just starts talking to him. And there's smoke kind of, you know. And my dad keeps talking to him and sharing with him. And like the guy's kind of like getting freaked out. And all of a sudden, after about, my dad said about 10 minutes, the guy goes, ah! Coach! He said a few other adjectives. But anyway, he goes, you got me. And it's like, you can either let people irritate you or entertain you. Can I be honest? Sometimes my children just entertain me. Sometimes they irritate the devil out of me. It's the attitude I got to have. Hello. And if you don't have children yet, just, your time's coming, honey. That's why all those people that have children are gotten older, we look at you and you got those babies and go. That's why when you do marriage counseling, you know, as a pastor, you kind of go and they get in there and they go. They're perfect. They don't do anything wrong. I'm going to serve her, bless her, help him. And I'm in charge. And you see him about three years later, he's carrying the diaper bag, the bottle, and the baby. And she's And by the way, wipe, and go to the men's bathroom and wipe his butt too. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going, but I'm coming back. Every person either has a problem to be avoided or it's a person to be loved. See, I just said, when you drive out of the parking lot today, people are going to either entertain you, irritate you in the parking lot, or they're going to entertain you. They really are. What's it going to be? The last one. You got to turn everything over. To God. You got to turn everything over. The problem is you still are going to face that bad day. It's coming your way. If it hadn't get here yet, it's coming. See, the mistake is not having the problem. It's what it's what you do with the problem from that point on. You got to learn to find the positive. My dad says, someone gives you a lemon, learn to make lemonade. You've heard that. The Bible says, when someone curses you, bless them. Lord, I pray you'd bless them, but kill them. That's how some of us are. (laughs) I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, Lord, it's. Can, can I tell you? It's all about the way you respond. It's the way you respond. I have a friend of mine. He was actually, uh, he, he was uh, killed about four months ago, five months ago. He lives up in Washington State. He would go out. He was kind of crazy guy, Brian Crawford. He was in my wedding, and um, he used to go out in a kayak and catch big old salmon in a kayak in the ocean. He lived in Port Townsend. And, and I mean, you imagine catching a full-on, freaking big old sand, Y'all don't see it. Anyway, I mean, you're surfing with a kayak. And that's what we do. And somebody, there was some road construction, and somebody, some lady made a bad move, and he tried to avoid the accident, and he rolled out, and he died instantly. But the memory I have of Brian is we were in Macon, Georgia, and we were telling people about the Lord. And he knocked on the... We were doing door-to-door witnesses. We weren't Jehovah witnesses. We weren't Mormons. We were trying to go spread the truth, okay? And, uh, and so, man, we're there. And I never forget this one guy is so mad at Brian for knocking on his door, trying to tell him about Jesus. And I never forget, Brian just starts silting. He's just saying, man, man, sir, Jesus loving this guy, saying all kinds of, you know, good, blah whatever. I mean, he started kicking and hitting Brian. And I never forget he just kept looking at him. He goes, sir, it doesn't matter what you do to me. Jesus loves you. If you make me bleed, he still loves you. If you hurt me, he loves you. And I think about that impression. Brian's standing before the throne of Jesus right now. And he's probably interceding for that guy that beat him. Are you hearing me? It's the attitude. See, we learned every. We learned, we learned anything from Jesus. If we've learned anything from Jesus, on his worst day, he went to the Father. See, when you are at your worst day, you got to go to God. See, instead of watching TV, instead of popping a little bottle and going, oh, I'm going to take a few of them. Or, or you know, or, or uh, popping something or doing something, whatever. That's when you got to run to Jesus. That's when you join the Joseph Club. Hello. You know what the Joseph Club is? When Potiphar's wife's coming at you, she grabs you and you run out neck and you're screaming, ah, you run. I've learned sometimes I'm in the Joseph Club. I got to run to God because things are coming at me. Thanks for all those amens. And some of you are confused. You still know what I'm talking about. But anyway, if you learned anything on your way. See, the reason why you're not happy is because we try to handle things ourselves. Let me just close with this scripture, one of these scriptures. Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be an un. But in everything, by prayer. See, we can do that today before you leave. You can pray. How many believe that? And petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And I love this. And the peace of God. Say Peace. You want to be a peacemaker? Here it is. Peace, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You can go ahead and go home with your problem or you can let me just say or you can pray with someone this morning before you leave and leave it at the feet of Jesus and can I tell you something and everything be different in your life? The choice is up to you. See, Jesus, God, gives you a choice. He loves you so much. He did not make you serve him. He did not press a button on you and go, praise me, praise you, praise you, praise you. It's a decision. It's a choice. It's an attitude. It can't be God's problem and your problem at the same time. You have to make a choice. Remember principle number one last week was making the decision, I'm going to fall in love with Jesus. You know what I love about people that had not gotten married yet, and they got the you, you kind of love in the air. You just look at them, and they're all. I remember when Tracy and I were dating, we, I used to drive this van. It was a Chevy van, and they had the bucket seats. She would sit in the bucket seat with me. We knew we were going to get married, but we wanted to be close. We were connected at the hip. There's just something. And I, when I think about falling in love with my, my wife, I think about her beautiful brown eyes. She is my brown-eyed girl. And, and it's like, you know, it's like I remember those moments. And even when, can I just say, sometimes when I don't want to look in her eyes because they might not be too happy with me. If it's nothing she's done, it's because of me. I have to remember those eyes. Can I get those eyes back? First Peter says this. What, he says, "Cast all your anxiety. That in other words, you can either have the anxiety or you can have the peace of God. All your uns, your bad attitude—that's what he's saying. Your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. And I just want to close with this verse, and it, it's this and." You got to choose. I, I want to choose a verse. It's really the this verse is all about Jesus' attitude. Think what it says Philippians. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. How many of you want that? Yeah. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equal, equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him in the highest place. You can do that with your own life. You can allow God to take you to a place of exaltation, change your life, and gave him the same, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Here's fresh air principle number two. Choose a Christ-like attitude. God just made me, you know, God can just make you like Jesus. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? You, can't, you can be transformed. See, that's the thing. That's the miracle of salvation. Look at me. The miracle of salvation is this, that God can transform you into something that you weren't weren't before. It's the metamorphosis. It's kind of like the, the caterpillar going to becoming the beautiful butterfly. God comes and does a metamorphosis in your heart. He does that. So. He transforms you into his, the image of His Son. See, we, I believe this. You can come to Jesus with your failures, your hang-ups, your attitude, and you can invite Him into your life. And you can be, I'll just say this, I believe that you can be transformed, and the Bible says, into his likeness. What does that mean? You can either have life or death or blessings or a curse. Are y'all with me this morning? You see, today I presented you with a choice. My desire is that you would choose Jesus, not religion. Not the precepts of men, but you would choose the God of this Bible. You know what this book is? It's a love letter to this world. It's an example how a father and a son loved each other. And how God, listen, when you begin to read this Bible, and you, have you ever read the Bible and go, man, they were messed up? Man, they had some serious issues. You ever read it like that and go, wow, Lee, I didn't know that was there. When I look at that, I go, I see me in those pages. And I'm like, God, that's me. I got that attitude. Lord, I need help. You See, you can come in here this morning, you can go, I don't need no help. I've been in this all my life. That's probably the problem. Because you come with an attitude knowing everything. I've had people as a pastor, people ask, what do you believe? You believe in the five-fold ministry? And I'm like, I don't even talk about that stuff. I just love Jesus, man. And you know what? When he gets in your heart and he starts doing the inside job on you, he begins to change your attitude. He begins to do something in, in you. It's kind of like the people that get, what is those little things that get inside of your animals and stuff that, that eat them? parasite. Right? parasite. Animals, whatever. See, she's smart. I have to ask her. What is that thing? on? Oh, baby. Anyway. You know what? It's like this. When you get Jesus inside of you, I don't want to compare him to a parasite. But he gets up inside of you. You let him have his way in your life, and he'll affect everything in your life. Amen? You can either let the cancer of this world eat you alive. And destroy you. Or you can allow the blood of Jesus to change you. To get in you and change you from the inside out. Amen? Let's pray. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you just, you know, you know, Pastor Bubba, I really, I really want a Jesus. I really want to, I, I need an attitude change. I know my attitude is not where it needs to be. I've even had, I, I see the uns in my life. Would you pray for me this morning that I would lay those at the cross and allow the blood of Jesus to free me from the? If that's you, just raise your hand all over here. All right, put them down. Okay, thank you, thank you. All over. Anyone else? I'm not going to. Anyone else? I just want to pray with you, okay? Great. Maybe you're here this morning saying, you know, Pastor Bubba, I need the, I need the transforming power. Of Jesus to come into my life. I need to be born again. I don't I, I know that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. And that's me, Pastor Bubba. I'm not alive in God. I need him. Jesus said, He said this: if if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. Here's the opportunity that you can say, God, I need you. I want you. I need you in my life more than I've ever needed you before. I need the the Lord Jesus in my life. I want to give my heart and my life and my whole being to him this morning. Would you pray with me, Pastor Bob? If that's you, raise your hand. All over this place. Okay, Thank you. Thank you. You can put it down. Anyone else? Thank you. Okay? Put it down. Let's pray. Church, can you pray with me? Can we pray out loud? Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, church. You can do better than that. Come on. Say, Lord Jesus. We come this morning. We know that our attitude sometimes isn't gratitude. But we thank you for Jesus. For what he's done for us. Demonstrated his love. Even while I've yet been a sinner, you came and died for me. This morning, I give you my life. I trust you with everything inside of me. I've done my best. I can't do it. I need your help, God. Rescue me from myself and this world. From this day forward, I want my attitude to be different. And I want to fall in love with you. In Jesus' name.